0: we've been going through Matthew chapter 26 we're looking at the last night of Jesus' life before the crucifixion after the the passover meal which uh, Jesus reinstituted as a memorial of his death we now call it the lord's supper he left out from there and they they sang a hymn as we looked at that passage we talked about how even on what the lord knew was about to be the greatest failure of his disciples, he was singing over them. And as Jesus knew everything he was about to endure, he was still pouring his life into his disciples, trying to help them understand what was about to happen, trying to prepare them. And they said, went out to this certain spot on the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus even knowing that Peter would deny even knowing him just a few hours later he asked Peter along with James and John to separate and go a little farther from the other disciples and go and pray with him Jesus would spend hours of that last night in prayer prayer in which he would make it clear that like any human being he would not want to go to the cross nor bear the wrath of God but as the Son of God he did what those of us who are just mere human beings and nothing else have not been able to do he perfectly aligned himself with the will of God and he prayed father not my will But your will be done after the season of prayer in which Jesus prepared himself Judas came and betrayed him with a kiss and that night Peter still not yet understanding what needed to take place he drew his sword the courageous act to defend Jesus from being captured and arrested by this mob that had come out with Judas. But Jesus makes it clear, there will be no resistance because he is not a victim. He will go and willingly lay down his life. The passage we're looking at today is after Jesus' arrest. He was taken and he was tried. And so matthew chapter 26 verse 57 is where we begin i want to ask you would you join me in standing as we read this together matthew chapter 26 beginning in verse 57 then those who had seized jesus led him to caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders had gathered and peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest And going inside he sat with the guards to see the end now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death but they found none though many false witnesses came forward at last two came forward and said this man said I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days and the high priest stood up and said have you no answer to make What is it that these men testify against you but jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him i adjure you by the living god tell us if you are the christ the son of god jesus said to him you have said so but i tell you from now on you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming On the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it? that struck you, let's pray together. Father, this morning we stand in awe of your Son, who stood in the midst of persecution and insult, and yet opened not his mouth, that he might offer himself for our salvation. Father, throughout this message, I pray that you speak to us with great clarity, and that Lord, through our thoughts, through our words, and through our lives, may we worship the one who died for us, for it's in his name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, Jesus was innocent. Matthew emphasizes that, so the other Gospels, that Jesus was innocent. Several years ago, there was a movie came out by Mel Gibson called The Passion. And in this movie, it was portrayed about the crucifixion of Christ in a way that in previously in films we had not seen. In Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion, there was an extreme amount of blood and gore And I remember at that time, I was at Southern Seminary as a student. One of the New Testament professors who is an expert in studying first century culture and history. He was asked, he says, do you think that that movie is accurate? Was it really as gruesome and torturous as that movie portrayed the crucifixion of Jesus? And here's what he said. He said, I think, if anything, they toned it down and underplayed it. He said, The crucifixion of Jesus was every bit as bloody and every bit as barbaric and brutal as it was portrayed in that movie. And when we think about what the Lord endured for us, it's amazing to imagine nails being driven through his hands and feet, to understand that the Romans took a whip and beat him to the point that his flesh was torn from his body. You and I, with our modern sensibilities, are aghast to think of how barbaric the death of Jesus was. But here's what i want you to understand today what's significant about the death of jesus for us is not how cruel it was what's significant about the death of jesus is that unlike any person ever before him he did not deserve to die jesus was innocent you know why that's so important for us because none of us are innocent the Bible says that every single one of us have gone astray each to his own way the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and so we're all in need of someone to help us we're all in need of someone to deliver us we're all in need of someone to save us and jesus was able to do that because jesus was innocent you know the entire trial of jesus was just a sham the bible tells us in verses 57 through 58 how all this came about it says "And those who had seized jesus led him to caiaphas the high priest notice this where the scribes and elders had gathered they had already gathered together and they were preparing for this this kangaroo court in which they would try their best to find something that they could pin on Jesus the bible says they were looking for false testimony so everyone from the sanhedrin had gathered that night verse 58 it says and peter was following him at a distance As far as the courtyard of the high priest I want you to listen to this phrase and going inside he sat with the guards notice what it says to see the end you see everyone but Jesus had decided that his ministry was about to end the religious leaders had decided that it must end or they were going to lose control Jesus was too popular and too persuasive. They feared that one, they might lose influence over the people, or two, they might lose the respect of the Roman government who allowed them to have some level of local control. Peter had decided that was about to end because apparently he didn't understand, even though Jesus had explained over and over again to the disciples that not only was he gonna lay down his life, but he was gonna take it up again. And so Peter went inside to see the end. The priests that were there, while they should have been seeking the truth, they were instead seeking false testimony. You know, it's one thing to be, to be fooled in court, to hear somebody who is a good liar and to listen to their story and think, it just, it just rings true it's one thing to believe them and to be fooled it's another to go looking to try to find false witnesses it's hard for us to understand the depth of corruption that sin has on the human heart but here we see it come into light as the chief priest whom the Bible says were envious of Jesus. They were, they were envious. One of the greatest problems they had with Jesus' preaching is that people liked it. He drew great crowds. He had tremendous influence over the people. So they were so willing to do anything to save their place of power and of influence and in a time when they should have been seeking the truth they should have been trying to discern whether jesus was the christ or not instead they were seeking false witnesses do you remember that man named nicodemus Uh, nicodemus didn't understand everything and he didn't fully believe either but nicodemus was at least trying to discern the truth The bible says that he came to jesus at night and he says rabbi we we know you're from god during that conversation jesus would explain to nicodemus what a person must do to see the kingdom of heaven he said a man must be born again i don't know if nicodemus was there that night or if perhaps he had not been told about the meeting because of his favor toward jesus i don't know if joseph vermathea was there that night but they had gathered together and the bible says they were looking for false witnesses if we read back to the gospels we find that during jesus ministry the religious leaders had constantly tried to catch him in his words so the last part of verse 60 it says at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Well, Jesus never said that. If he had have said it, it would have been perfectly fine because he is able to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. In fact, he brought all the world into existence in just six days. But Jesus never said that in fact john tells us what jesus said in john chapter 2 verses 18 through 22 the jews so the jews said to him what sign do you show us for doing these things so so they wanted they wanted proof they said give us a sign that you're truly from god and jesus answered them destroy this temple notice jesus didn't say that he was going to tear down the temple he invited them to destroy this temple which john tells us he was talking about his body and he says in three days i will raise it up jesus didn't say he was going to rebuild a building he said he was going to raise his body so then verse 20 the jews then said it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days but he was speaking about the temple of his body When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So religious leaders, they were were trying constantly to catch Jesus in something that he said. But on this night, the only thing they could catch Jesus in was the truth. The Bible tells us, In verse 26, it says, And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But I want you to listen to this. It says, But Jesus remained silent. It's absolutely amazing that the creator and sustainer of the universe stood silently while sinners attacked him. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah foretold that this is exactly how it would take place. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The Bible tells us how the world was created. It says that God spoke. He spoke. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus is the creator, sustainer, nothing was made without him. The Bible also tells us about a great battle at the end of time, the battle of Armageddon in which Jesus with the sword of his mouth, a sword which is not literal but metaphorical for the very word of God, the word of God which is described as being sharper than any two edged sword, Jesus will merely speak and they will be left silent. On that day, Jesus, who had just reminded Peter that he was not powerless nor weak, says, Peter, do you not understand? That I could appeal to my father and he would at once send legions of angels the high priest attacked Jesus and they brought false witnesses to try to find something they could pin on him Jesus could have merely spoken and ended their life but on that day he remained silent he remained silent because he was not there to resist He was there to surrender and not to the priests nor to the Romans but to the will of God so that you and I who are not innocent could be saved by this man who was innocent you see Jesus as they constantly pressed him to find out if he was the Christ he was not the type of Christ that the Jews were looking for The Bible says in verse 63, but Jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. The Jews had been living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. The Romans had come in and taken over that whole region. The Romans brought great peace instability they brought it about not through diplomacy but through brutal force with terror and fear they beat people into submission to obeying their laws and paying their taxes and the jews hated them they longed for a day when there'd be another david who would be a mighty warrior to raise up the people and resist and lead them to freedom That's the kind of Messiah that they were looking for. They were looking for a man who would take control of the nation and lead them to independence from Rome. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter four about Jesus preaching early, early in his ministry. In Luke chapter four, it says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. That's another sermon for another day, but I can't read that without pointing out that it was Jesus' custom to be in the synagogue. I don't know how we're going to follow Jesus if it's not our custom to be gathered together in the church. And it says in the scroll, the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. Here Jesus is now reading the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And here's what he says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor now listen to this here was the prophecy about the coming messiah he says he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives there are many who saw themselves as captives of the roman empire and they were longing for the messiah to come and bring liberty It says, second part of verse 18, as Jesus is continuing to read from the prophet Isaiah, he says, in recovering of sight to the blind, listen to this next phrase, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing jesus as he read this passage from isaiah that was a prophecy about the messiah the christ same word two different languages messiah and christ christ is just the greek word for messiah as he read this passage prophesying about what the messiah would be like he said today This passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that night of the trial, the high priest would say to Jesus, Tell us, are you the Christ or not? Because they thought the Christ would free people who are captive to human bondage they thought the Christ was going to free people who were oppressed by foreign nations but you see Jesus came to deal with a much greater problem than that Jesus came to free captives from the wages of sin he came to set free those who were oppressed by their own sinful nature. Jesus was not concerned with driving out the Romans. Jesus had come to drive out the devil. Jesus would not free them from paying taxes to Rome. Jesus would free them from bearing the wrath of God so as the high priest stood before him he wanted jesus to openly admit that he was the christ jesus knowing that they didn't understand who the christ was had been so careful throughout his ministry to very mysteriously just refer to himself as the son of man a reference to the book of daniel in the old testament prophecy about the coming christ and so the the high priest wanted jesus to simply say That he was going to be the next leader of israel because the romans were not concerned about the theological disagreements between jesus and the sanhedrin if they were to crucify jesus they need something that would stick with the romans and so he asked jesus tell us are you the christ jesus was not about to provide the deliverance they were looking for but jesus provided the deliverance that the father had promised through the old testament scriptures and so verse 64 it says and jesus said to him you have said so but i tell you from now on you will see the son of man there's that that reference that jesus favorite self-designation if you read the gospels you'll see that he referred to himself as the son of man more than anything else And he said, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus said two things here. He said that they were about to see him seated at the right hand of God. That was the hand of of power. And he said, you're going to see him coming in the clouds of heaven. You see, Jesus was about to return to heaven to take his place with the Father. In Psalm 110, verse 1, the Psalms had prophesied what was to come ahead. And he says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, you're about to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. In hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 listen what the bible says about jesus he says he is the radiance and the glory of god and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power now listen to what the bible says in the book of hebrews about what's about to take place here it says after making purification for sins that's why jesus died so that you and i even though we are not innocent we could be purified from our sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high jesus said that he'd come he'd come humbly he'd been born in a manger he'd been raised by earthly parents he'd been disrespected mistreated Abused, attacked, persecuted. And now he's just hours away from being tortured to death. But yet Jesus said, you're about to see me seated at the right hand of God. Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, was about to be exalted by the Father. There's a second thing that he said to the high priest. that's he was coming again he said from now on you will see the son of man seated in the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven do you know that jesus is coming again the bible says in the book of revelation chapter 1 verses 7 and 8 behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him listen to this even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will well on account of him even so amen jesus said i am the alpha and the omega says the lord god who is and who was and who is to come the almighty jesus told the high priest this that he was coming again and friend jesus is coming again so on this night when priest should have been seeking the truth instead they were seeking false witnesses on this night when the priest should have worshiped him instead they spat in his face you see the high priest did not believe and so he judged the truth as a blasphemy in verse 65 it says "And the high priest tore his robes and he said he has uttered blasphemy what further witnesses do we need he said you have now heard this blasphemy the first century, even in times of the Old Testament, people would tear their clothes as a sign of intense mourning. When the high priest heard Jesus say he was about to sit down at the right hand of the Father and that one day he would see him coming again in the clouds, he He tore his robes I couldn't help but think about the passage that we recently looked at on Wednesday night or Sunday night Joel chapter 2 verse 13 as God spoke to the people through the prophet Joel he said and rend your hearts and not your garments can you imagine that night if instead of tearing his garments the high priest would have came in repentance and recognized Jesus as the Messiah. The Bible says, the high priest said in verse 66, what is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. It's not our place to judge the judge of the universe, but many people in our society and in our world have put themselves in exactly that place. The time of the judges, the Bible sums it up like this. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that night, they heard Jesus. They heard Jesus say that they would see him seated at the right hand of God and coming in the clouds. And the high priest looked around at the Sanhedrin and he says, what is your judgment? And they said, he deserves death. Jesus didn't deserve death, but you and I do. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but Jesus had no sin. He was completely innocent. And so the Bible tells us in verse 67 and 68, then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Even as they spit in his face, Jesus did not sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 50, verse 6, speaking about this moment and the crucifixion, it says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard i hid not my face from disgrace and spitting there on that night there was one innocent man and that was jesus and they looked around in judgment of him and they said, What is your judgment? And they said, He deserves death. The irony was he was the only person in that room that didn't deserve death. But yet Jesus went willingly. He went willingly, he offered himself in our place so that we could be forgiven. I want to ask you today. Have you received the gift of forgiveness that Jesus made possible that day? That's what the Bible calls it. It calls it a gift. A gift. You see, Jesus was innocent. You and I. Are guilty. We may be wonderful people by the world's standards. I'm not saying that anybody here today is a murderer or an adulterer or a terrorist. You may be, but I'm not saying that. I know that most of us can look around and we see people in our community that have done worse, thought worse, been worse. And we look around and we see ourselves in comparison to other people, and we say, "I'm, "I'm a really good person." Do you know that the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were really good at being good. They kept the Old Testament law, at least the letter of it, very meticulously. And here's what Jesus said about them. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Few of us, as good as we may be, have been as careful as those first century Pharisees to try to keep God's law. And yet Jesus said, we need a righteousness that is greater than theirs. Where would we get such a thing? God wants to give it to us as a gift. That we receive by faith Jesus who was innocent was righteous in every way and when he laid down his life willingly he took your place and he bore the justified wrath of God that you and I deserve for our sin and he took it upon himself so that you and I could receive the gift of salvation today if you simply believe that jesus is who he said he was that he came and that he died for you you could receive the gift of salvation you see we receive it by faith by believing because of god's grace he gives it to us some of us here today have children Two of my oldest were were here just for two days this weekend. If you've got children, you know what it is to love. I want you to understand this. God has more love for you than any earthly parent for their child. That's why he offers this as a gift because he wants us to be saved on this same night peter drew his sword because he wanted to save jesus from the mob the jews were longing for a a messiah like david because they wanted to be saved from the oppression of the romans but jesus came to save us from our sins today I want to ask you how long will you wait to receive this gift for those of us today that have already been saved may we devote our lives to serve our Lord and to proclaim this message for it's in Christ that we pray all these things with our lives and with our words. May we worship Him. May our life be constant prayer through the things that we think and the things that we do. May we worship Him. And the more that we understand our guilt, the more it magnifies His innocence let's go to the Lord in prayer now Father thank you for your son who died in our place God we thank you that to the end he was faithful he was obedient he surrendered to your will so that we could be saved Father, I pray today, if there's a person sitting in this room, a person that's listening, Father, speak to them and draw them in to receive this gift of salvation. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Today, as we leave and we sing this song, I want to invite you to make your decision. You and I are not going to have unlimited time to decide what we think about Jesus. Caiaphas looked around the room that night. He says, what is your judgment? And the Bible says the same thing to us. We must decide whether he'll be our Savior or whether we think that Jesus was just a fraud. Today, if you've never made the choice to put your faith and trust in Christ, I want to invite you to pray as we sing if you need help making a decision and when we begin to sing just step out from your seat and meet me at the front catch me after the service say pastor I want to talk I'll do everything I can to help you make your decision let's stand as we sing
1: us pray. And Father, thank you for the message that we have just heard. I pray that we'll gain wisdom and knowledge from
0: it and grow more like you every day. Father, help us to see people.